Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Make it three in a row here for your Miami Marlins. Welcome into the Marlins Rewind. I'm Steven Strom. Seven to six, the Marlins upended the Cubs. What a game it was on Saturday afternoon from the ballpark. As always, here's your radio voice of the Miami Marlins, Kyle Seeloff, recapping it all. Oh, what a day for the Marlins here at Lone Depot Park. They collect a series of victory against the Chicago Cubs. It was a career day for Edward Cabrera on the mound. No Dylan Floro, no A.J. Puck, no problem. The Marlins beat the Cubs 7-6. They improved to 9-0 in one-run games this season. Welcome to the 10th Inning Show. I'm Kyle Seeloff, joined by Rod Allen. And, Rod, as we start to wrap this ball game up today, I think it's fair to start on the mound. We'll start with Cabrera, some good and some bad, but the young man threw more pitches than he ever has at a Major League Baseball game, and he punched out 12, and you got to give him a credit for some of the guts that he showed this afternoon. You know, I'm sure that Cabrera will say uh, today that he probably didn't have his best stuff as far as his command was concerned, but whenever uh, the Cubs had some traffic on the base pass, he was able to bow his neck and make the pitches to get himself out of jams. I mean, the Cubs, obviously, on their side, they squandered lots of opportunities. But with that being said, Cabrera had the kind of stuff to punch out 12 here today, most of those with runners in scoring position for the Cubs. So he was nasty when he was in the strike zone. And this Marlins bullpen, the mentality today was bend but don't break. Nardi struggled. He couldn't get it out. His buddy Brazoban came and uh, he had his back. Stephen Okert struggled. Barnes came and had his back. And then Tanner Scott was electric in the ninth inning, but uh, an up-and-down day for the bullpen. But again, they found a way to get the job done. That's the sign of a good team. Uh, when some of your people don't have their best day, somebody has to pick up somebody, just like on the offensive side. Uh, when someone strikes out, you come up with a big hit like Sanchez did in that very first inning. That set the tone for me as far as the offense was concerned when they got that big, big hit against Killian, who started for the Cubs today after he had gotten two out. Sanchez with a big double to drive in a couple of runs, and then they scored a couple of more runs in that particular inning. So I just like the Sanchez at bat. After losing four in a row, the Marlins back bounce back with three straight wins. The improbable win on Thursday, the come from behind effort last night. They walk it off their first walk off win of the season. They are propelled by five runs on four hits, and they send 11 to the plate in the bottom of the first inning this afternoon. Um, when you hear they are 9-0 and in one-run games, that's the mark of a good club, yes or no? Is that lucky? What is that? No, I think it's a mark of a good club, and I think it's something that was addressed in the offseason by Kim Ang. She wanted to bring people in here uh, that could put the ball in play, guys that were better with two strikes. They were swinging and missing way too often last year. They're not going to go 162-0 and as far as the one-run games are concerned. 
one. But with that being said, they're building confidence with each one of these one-run wins. And the thing about it, when they do find themselves in that situation, whereas last year they were always trying to hit a home run late in games, now we got guys that are bunting for base hits like Jazz and Hampton and Raj. You're moving guys over. Guys are putting the ball in plate like Gurriel. I kind of like the formula that they're playing with right now. Segura and Soler, the only guys today in the starting lineup that did not get a hit. Would like to single out a few guys real quick for you. Chisholm, Arise, Sanchez, and Gurriel. They fueled the fire today. And Gurriel and Sanchez in particular. Gurriel's been good, but Sanchez is really coming on strong lately as well. Well, three of the four left-handed. Yep. And that's one of the things that we talked about yesterday. It's imperative that they get Sanchez going. It's imperative they keep Jazz going. We know Arise has been money. They're going to get Joey Wendell back at some point in time, which will give them another left-handed bat. But they've got to balance out this lineup somehow, some way, against really good, hand, good right-handed pitching because you saw what Morton did to us. You saw what Strider did to us. You saw what Zach Gallen did to us when the Arizona Diamondbacks were here. When they go up against a really good right-handed pitcher, they really shut our right-handed bats down. So we need left-handers to step up. And the Marlins, for the third time this season, are going to have an opportunity to sweep a series tomorrow. Brian Hoeing will go opposite of the left-hander, Justin Steele. Partner, I'll see you at noon tomorrow. So stay out of trouble tonight, All you? right, buddy. See you later. All right, Marlins win this ball game 7-6, the middle game against the Cubs. It is a series win for Miami. So let's go ahead and take a listen to all the highlights from tonight's ball game. The Cubbies came up empty in the first, but not so much for the Marlins. Caleb Killian, the right-hander, made his 2023 debut for the Chicago Cubs, and the Marlins had the bases loaded with two outs in the first inning for Jesus Sanchez. Jesus Sanchez swings, line drive, left field, going back, happens over, his heading over the wall. It bounces on the warning track and over the wall. With two outs here at the bottom of the first inning, it's an automatic double for Jesus Sanchez. It's 2-0 Miami. And they got another one real quick. The next man to bat was Gene Segura, although he didn't have to put the bat on the ball. 2-0 pitch goes to the backstop. Here comes Gurriel. The ball got caught in the net. He'll score. It's 3-0. Killian's going to kill somebody. Yes, he is. <laughs> All right, so Segura was at the plate. He walked. It was 3-0, and the next man to bat was Jacob Stallings. Here's the 1-1 pitch to Jacob. That's a line drive back up the middle and a base hit. That nearly took off the cap of Killian on the mound. Scoring from third is Sanchez. It's 4-0 Miami. They're pouring it on the Cubbies here with the first. And Jacob said, take that, Rod and uh, Kyle. I got your 122. Whoa. Garrett Hampson was the ninth man to bat in the inning for the Marlins. He walked. We went back to the top of the order and batting for a second time in the first inning was Jazz Chisholm Jr. Here's the pitch that Jazzy shows bunt and he pulls back. And did that hit him? I think that so. might have hit him. Jazz is saying the ball hit him, and Rob Drake is now going to tell him to go to first. Jazz gets hit by the pitch. Segura's going to come in from third. David Ross says Marlins lead 5 nothing. Walking out to talk to uh... a five-run bottom of the first inning for the Marlins, but that five-run lead would not last long with a man at first base and two outs in the top of the second. Patrick Wisdom got a crack at Edward Cabrera on the north side of Chicago. 3-1 pitches, slugged high in the air, deep to left center field. Forget about this sucker. That is long gone. For Patrick Wisdom, it's his 10th home run of the season. It's a two-run shot here in the second, and now it's 5-2 Miami. See if, if you were... Marlins would not get anything in the bottom of the second. Cubbies would not get anything in the top of the third, but the Marlins would collect another run in the bottom of the third inning with Garrett Hampson on the base, or on base, and Jazz Chisholm at the plate. 
Jazz Chisholm Jr. lines a ball into right field. That's down for a base hit. Suzuki's up with it. Here comes a throw in towards the plate. It's not in time. It's a two-out RBI single for Jazz Chisholm Jr. And the Marlins have a 6-2 lead. So the Marlins got one back in the third. They had a 6-2 lead into the bottom of the fourth inning. Caleb Killian was taken out of the game with two on base and one out in the fourth. In came the right-hander, Jeremiah Estrada, and to the plate came Jesus Sanchez. Next offering he sees. He bangs it out into right center field. This is going to get down for a base hit. Scoring all the way from second is a rise. Jody Reed is going to put up the red light at third base for Gurriel. It's a one-out RBI single for Jesus Sanchez. He's got three RBIs today, and the Marlins have a 7-2 lead. Give Skip Schumacher a lot of credit. So it was 7-2 after four. Neither side would get a run in the fifth, but wait just a moment. Edward Cabrera went five innings for the Miami Marlins this afternoon. He allowed two runs on three hits. He walked five. He was in and out of trouble all day long, but when he was in trouble, he relied on the strikeout, and he got it. He punched out a career-high 12 this afternoon. He struck out 12 Chicago Cubs. Edward Cabrera was lifted after the fifth inning. So top of the sixth, the Marlins had themselves a 7-2 lead. Andrew Nardi came into the ballgame and out went Cody Bellinger, the first man he faced. Five, but punching out 12. Uh-oh, this ball is long gone into the upper deck. Cody Bellinger, his sixth home run of the season. Hanging break. That was quick. Bellinger with a blast. It was his sixth of the season after Bellinger. Mancini singled. Velasquez or Hosmer singled. And then Patrick Wisdom singled. The Cubs had the bases loaded with no outs with a run already home in the sixth inning. Nardi did not collect it out. Waskar Brazobond came in. He struck out the pinch hitter Edwin Rios. And the next man to bat was Nico Horner. Counts one and one on Nico Horner with the bases loaded. Here's a swing of the drive. Hit pretty well left field. De La Cruz is going back. He's on the edge of the warning track where he's going to make the catch for the second out. Tagging from third and coming home is Mancini. And now the Marlins have the second man. Hosmer hung up between second and third. Hampson throws it to a rise and the inning is over. Where in the world was Eric Hosmer going? Eric Hosmer just ran the Cubs out of the sixth. They get two runs. They do so on four hits, but they don't get any more. After five and a half, it's seven to four Miami on the Marlins Radio Network. Well, that was uh, interesting, and Hosmer is going to have to answer some questions post-game. So, too, is the manager, David Ross. They let too many offensive opportunities squander this afternoon, and it led to a Marlins series victory. Brazoban came in. He uh, got the Marlins out of the sixth inning. He worked a perfect seventh. The Marlins were quiet the rest of the way from the fifth inning on. But top of the eighth inning for the Chicago Cubs, the Cubs rather, they would get a couple more. Steven Oker came into the game for the Marlins. He walked Cody Bellinger. He walked Trey Mancini. The pinch hitter, Nelson Velasquez, grounded into a fielder's choice. Then Oker walked Wisdom. The bases were loaded with no but or one out. The bases were loaded with one out. And let's see here. Oker had to come out of the game. Skip Schumacher had seen enough. Matt Barnes came in, and the first man that he faced was Jan Gomes. Count is two and two on Gomes. Here's the pitch from Barnes. It's a ground ball. Hit to the left side. Segura cuts it off, throws it to second for one. Throw to first, not in time. And now they're going to say the runner at second is safe. Everybody is safe. A run is in to score. It's 7-5 Miami here in the top of the eighth inning. Marlins may very well want to check this out at second. No, they're going to wave it off.
Wow, the Cubs were drawing closer. Still, they were loaded with one out. The batter was Nico Horner. He stands tall on the mound. Here's the 3-2 pitch. It's a ground ball hit to the right side. Arise has it. His only play is the first. They get the out there. Another run scores for the Cubs. Now it's 7-6. And now you can exhale because in the 10th inning show, we're not going to leave you hanging. The Marlins go on to win this ball game. Top of the ninth inning with Puck and Floro down. Tanner Scott was trying to put in a bid for his second save of the season. His first 10 pitches were all strikes. Ian Happ grounds it out to short. Seiya Suzuki singled back up the middle. Then Tanner Scott struck out Cody Bellinger, and it was down to Trey Mancini for the Chicago Cubs this evening. And now this crowd of 14,994 is going to come to their feet and come back to life at Lone Depot Park. The Marlins walked off the Cubs 3-2 last night after an improbable win on Thursday. They've won two in a row. Here's the 1-2 pitch. It's swung on and missed strike three. The ball game is over. Scott punches out Mancini. And the Marlins dispose of the Cubs. They beat them 7-6. That's a series win for the Fish. Outstanding job by Tanner Scott. It looked like and now your Miami Marlins are 9-0 and in one-run games this season. A sensational performance tonight. The Marlins bullpen, they, uh, they were bending, but they just refused to break. And they beat the Cubs. They win the series. They win it 7-6 to six tonight. So for the Cubs, six runs, nine hits, no errors, nine men left on base. For the Marlins, seven runs, 12 hits, no errors. They leave 10 men on base. The Cubs squandered way too many opportunities offensively tonight. They were 2-for-11 with runners in scoring position, while the Miami Marlins finished 4-for-13 in that department. Your winning pitcher is Edward Cabrera. The loser is Caleb Killian. Tanner Scott with his second save of the season. We started at 4.07. We finished at 7.20. Total game time, three hours and 13 minutes in front of 14,994 on this Saturday night at Lone Depot Park. With a win, the Marlins are now 15-13, and 13, now three and a half games back of the idle Atlanta Braves in New York tonight. With the loss, the Cubbies fall back to 14-12. and 12. For the Miami Marlins this evening, the pitching staff recorded 16 strikeouts. That's a heck of a day, and that means that $400 will be donated to AutoNation's Drive Pink Initiative to fight against cancer. For every strikeout this season, $25 will be donated to the Drive Pink Initiative. All right, Kyle, thank you very much. What did we learn? We learned that Yuli Gurriel, again, when he plays, this team plays really well. Love his presence on the field. Excellent defensive player at first base and timely hitting two for four yesterday. Love the way that Yuli Gurriel has taken on his role. You haven't heard a complaint from him, and Skip Schumacher continues to reference him uh, as he guides these young guys in the clubhouse. Okay, let's hear from the manager, Skip Schumacher, on the 7-6 victory on Saturday afternoon. Well, Skip, guys, it got a little closer at the end, but you guys were able to pull it out. Just overall thoughts on on this one? <laughs> um, I, yeah. Cappy, I think career highs is strikeouts, 12, I think he had. Five walks is what kills him, right? And, um, you know, it's just with everybody. And I think that's why, you know, we were put in some, you know, pretty tough situations late in the game. Um and, you know, luckily we had other guys get, you know, people out of it. And, uh, you know, I thought Braz another great job um, coming in and, 
uh, I feel like I, every time I put him in there, it's bases loaded or second, third or something, and then he goes out and gets another um, tough lane of uh, you know the meat of the order, and he runs right through those guys, and um, so he's just doing an outstanding job. And thought Barnes put him in a really difficult spot as well, and um, landed his curveball in big spots, and uh, you know, just throwing as hard as he's been um, all season. So he did an excellent job, and. Um, you know, Scott coming in and closing the door was, you know, huge in the, in the meat of their order as well. So, yeah, I mean, it was not exactly how you wanted to line it up. Um, but, you know, days like that are going to happen. And, you know, you need guys to step up when other guys aren't feeling great. And, you know, we had a lot of guys step up today. With Cabrera, after he walked the bases loaded in the third, what changed? Or what, do you, how, what do you think changed that helped him? basically flip the switch there and get through five and strike. I think it was eight of the last ten. It's all mentality. I mean, there's nothing mechanical. There's nothing um, that it's physical. It's legit, straight, mental. And um, it's it's him. You can see the demeanor on the mound when he's feeling it. It's just like, give me the ball and let's go. Um, when he's not feeling it, you can see him walking around and thinking about it. And as soon as he starts thinking about stuff, that's when things kind of go out of whack. And he's throwing 98 miles an hour with a really good changeup, and his curveball was great. And he was making really good hitters look bad. And that should, if he, when he watches the video tomorrow, he's going to see that if he's stuff, if he throws his stuff over the plate, um, good things happen because he has wiped out stuff. I mean, his good his stuff is as good as anybody's in the league. The only time he gets himself in trouble is when he gives up free passes. And it's not like it's ball out of hand, right? They're not, it's not nibbling. So um, I think it should be a really good learning lesson um, on his video review tomorrow. And, um, and again, it's, we've said something to build off. He has, every outing, there's something to build off, and hopefully we can put it all together and for his next start. The decision also, I think it might have been a career high in pitches. I mean, a lot of times, you know, pitchers want to have that chance for the win, but to let him go out and try to finish that fifth inning, please. Yeah, our, our bullpen, we didn't have many available arms, and um, he felt good. Um, I felt like his after his third inning, he started actually looking better and felt like um, he had a couple strikeouts uh, before that. That was going to be his last hitter, though. Um, you know, we had... Uh, Nardi, I think, up for for Bellinger if he if he uh, if he didn't get the next out. So, um, yeah, he he uh, he got the win, which was great, and it got through five innings. But with that stuff, he could have easily gone you know seven plus innings. Um, and so again, that's that's the that's the talk we'll have tomorrow, and some good stuff, some learning lessons, and and hopefully he can grow from it. Just over the offseason, you know, Kim wanted to deepen the bullpen. The fact that, you know, you had probably two guys unavailable, but you're still able to pull this one out because you have other high leverage arms or guys stepping up. Just, you know, just what does that say, I guess, about the, the way that bullpen's constructed and guys stepping up? Yeah, we had guys step up for other guys in the bullpen. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure what it was last year, um, but I do know that, you know, when guys. Um, you know, our walking guys or give up a hit or two and they don't feel great. Um, we have options down there, which is nice to have. And guys that can punch people out, swing and miss in the bullpen is real. 
and good teams have swing and miss and not just put it in play kind of uh, bullpen arms and when you have that then you can get out of big spots and the bras got out of big spots with some punch outs and um, so did uh, so did Barnes with his big curveball, some really good um, you know breaking pitches. So when you have swing and miss, then you you have a chance to get out of of big spots. And so yeah, there's a couple guys who probably didn't love their their outing, um, but you know luckily we had some guys we had some other options. The first inning to get five runs, bring eleven to the plate to be able to jump start and get that early lead. Just what were you seeing from the at bats against again like like say pregame a guy who they haven't faced much and having to basically face him on the fly? Well, I mean, it's, it's one of the first games in a while where we didn't chase. It was really good. I mean, we stayed in the strike zone. And um, we had walks. We had hit by pitches. And, you know, we had uh, consecutive hit after hit after hit when we had him come into the strike zone. He was a little erratic, and credit to the guys that they made him throw it where they, where he wanted, uh, where they wanted him to throw it. And when that happens, then we're okay. As soon as we go outside the zone, that's when um, anybody gives us trouble. So that was really good to see. Added runs after that, um, some insurance runs we didn't realize we needed um, towards the end, which were obviously great um, after the five run first. So, yeah, I mean, I think when we get the ball in the strike zone, our lineup is really good. When we chase, you know, it's not good. That's just black, pretty black and white. Barnes in the eighth, uh, Stallings having two big blocks in that inning. Um, what do you see, or I guess, that we don't see that um, gives these pitchers confidence or just the relationship that Stallings has with these pitchers that they're confident in throwing that whenever? I think Fortes does that too. I think, you know, he block, he, he's had a couple great blocks yesterday um, in big spots. But um, leadership, I mean, Stallings is the leader. He's the, the communication in between innings, the mound visits at the right time. Um, they know he's prepared. They know what uh, whatever Stallings puts down is the right pitch because he prepared for that pitch. And they have there's just confidence uh, with him behind the plate because he's done it before. He's caught a Cy Young Award winner. Um, he's caught in the big leagues for a while now, so he he knows how to get guys through some tough spots. He did a great job with Cabby again, getting him through some really challenging innings. Got through some of these pitchers that came into the game that were bases loaded or second and third, and got him out and um, was able to navigate through some. You know, three ball counts with bases loaded. So, um, you know, the credit to him, big blocks, the Barnes uh, with Barnes back there, you know, really heavy, good curveball that he spiked a couple times that he blocked. So, yeah, with a one run lead, uh, exceptional job. The decision to go uh, to let Oakert face wisdom, were you considering the righty righty with Barnes? I was, yeah. Um, we, we talked about it, and, um, you know, I just felt like. Okert was gonna get it at some point um he just we just were so light back in the bullpen that we didn't have many available available arms after those two guys and I didn't know what was going to happen um so we were kind of hoping that you know that he was going to get that that out and then go to um Barnes at Gomes depending on what happened there but yeah there was conversation um of course hindsight yeah sure um but we we're tr- we we're just kind of hoping for the the ground ball there. Uh, Oki's you know slider usually produces some ground balls and uh, just didn't today. With Jazz kind of got it going in Atlanta today. Three hits has looked good so far, not only offensively but defensively. What have you seen from Jazz as of late that kind of maybe changed for him from the start of the season until now, where we're kind of seeing what we expected from Jazz? 
I don't think a lot of people are expecting this from Jazz in center field. I've read all kinds of stuff that and the guys that, you know, through the media that, you know, were not thinking that this was going to work. And you watch Jazz play center field. He's one of the best in center field right now in today's game. And we're a month into the season. So um, he's done an excellent job of of uh, working hard at um, getting that right because he cares and he cares about the pitchers and um, hits falling and the pitchers run scoring. There's a care factor when you play defense. And yeah, maybe his offense took a hit initially because so much focus was on trying to figure out center field. If you're not strong up the middle, we're in trouble. And that a lot, there's a lot of fly balls in center field that he has run down in the gaps, coming in, going back. Um, so he has, he's done an amazing job for me for one month of playing center field in the big leagues. Now that he's comfortable out there, and he said that, he's like, I feel like I can, I'm a center fielder now. All of a sudden he's hitting. It's, that's, that's a real thing because it's not easy when you're uncomfortable as a big leaguer playing a different spot. Now that you're comfortable and the defensive side is good to go, now he can just focus on his hitting, get his defensive work in. But now his hitting is, is coming along. Um, he's preparing the right way. I don't think he's ever prepared like this before, um, where he knows everybody that comes into the uh, from the bullpen, um, the matchups, and knows what he's looking for. Um, his bunt game is, you know, taken off. The stolen bases, the base running has been great. So, um, yeah, he's turning into a complete player. And then with you, Lee. Uh, two hits today. How did you know? When in the lineup has been very productive. Just what have you seen from him? And how nice is it to have someone like you in your bench who not only has experience in the World Series postseason, but just keeps producing at the age he is right now. Yeah, I don't. I don't care about age. I care about production. And uh, you know, you ask you know Matt Carpenter and some of the older guys that about uh, age, they'll, they'll tell you like if I can, if I feel good and still can produce, then um, you know I feel like I can help a team win. And Yuli uh, wouldn't just come to the Marlins if he didn't think he could help us win. Um, he's got a lot of baseball left in him, and you know when Cooper is you know needs a day or doesn't feel great or you know coming off the bench. Um, what better option than to have a former silver slugger world series champ come off the bench and help you um and with the stuff that nobody sees is the leadership so he's taking a lot of those young guys and helping those guys go through some you know when they're going through tough times and help them get out of it and um that goes a long way in the next six months do you think today was probably the game you had to put on your managerial cap a little bit more than usual (laughs) No, I I just it's you know you're gonna have these games. It's not it's not always just floral puck, right? Um, so you're gonna have these games, and you knew that this was gonna happen, um, and so just trying to put guys in the right situations, and they're not always gonna be perfect. This game is hard, so um, you know you knew you're gonna have these eventually. So it's it's fine. It's better when you win. You have talked about Brosvon being able to minimize damage in tough situations. What is it about him that you know, especially a guy that's still relatively early in his MLB career, you know, that's able to basically be the fire extinguisher for the Marlins bullpen. And some guys run to the stage, some guys run from it, and he runs to it. He can't wait to be in those spots. So he showed that early on. Um, it wasn't just a long guy. He's a, he's a guy that can throw leverage, and if we need him a long guy, he'll tell you tomorrow that, yeah, I'm available. Um, and when you hear that as a manager, as a coach, that goes a long way. So, uh, no, I'm proud of where he's at in his development early on in his career. Yeah, maybe, but he's, he's ready in any spot we give him.
Okay, that was Skip Schumacher. Let's head down to listen to Edward Cabrera following his career-high 12-strikeout performance through over 100 pitches in five innings. He gets the win, his second one of the season. Uh, Edward, bases loaded in the third. You walked all three of them. What changed after that that helped you settle in and basically dominate from the rest of the outing? Base llena en el tercero. Base llena. Le diste boletos casi todo. ¿Qué fue lo que cambió después de ese inning que sentaste y, y pudiste tener una zona mucho más agresiva? Ah, lo, lo único que pensé fue después de ese inning era atacar la zona. ¿Sabes? Ya sentí que había desperdiciado mucho picheo en ese inning. Ah, lo siguiente inning lo que hice fue mantenerme más en la zona. Yeah, you know, what I thought, it was just I needed to attack the zone. It was as uh, simple as that. Uh, I felt like I had wasted so many pitches uh, during those innings that uh, it was just, that's the plan, just attack the zone, and, and, and if they hit me, they hit me. More specifically, it was a uh, 3-2 pitch, Bellinger, you had thrown four straight curveballs and a changeup. Stallings calls for a fastball. Just, do you know what his thought process was there? Because I think the fastball, you weren't landing in the zone as much. Eh, con Bellinger hubo un conteo de 3 y 2 estuviste lanzándole puro picheos quebrados creo que es la de cambio eh, pues le fueron con, con la recta ¿cuál fue el proceso que estuvieron ahí pensando? porque parece que la recta era lo que no estaba cayendo en la zona oh. ah, pensamos que fue un buen conteo para pa tirar la recta ¿Sabes? ya le habíamos tirado varios picheos quebrados y nada él llamó la recta y dije claro vamos yeah, I think we think that was the, 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 the right uh, decision in that count because uh, we were doing that, which going with the breaking uh, ball and then fastball. Uh, he, he, he requested the fastball, and I said, let's go for it. Okay, that was Edward Cabrera. We are right back at it, 12.05 this afternoon. I've got Marlins on deck at 11.30. Man, let's keep this thing going. Three in a row, let's make it four, an opportunity at a sweep of the Cubbies. Thanks for rewinding with us. Marlins Nation. Let's flip the M together, Miami. This is the Marlins Radio Network, driven by AutoNation. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.